Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, we hear a lot in church that God has a destiny for us. That God has got a greater tomorrow than we've ever experienced in our past. I believe that to be true. Because if God is true and if God is real, then how many know God is a creator? He will take the dust of our lives and he'll breathe his breath into that. And he'll create something that we never believed was possible. Marie was talking about that. The enemy sought to smash her life through the things she could never even control. But God's breath came upon her and taught her how to walk in the ways of God. And I love the fact that God is a God that expands our ability for a new expectation. And I want to talk today about this thought of hope, that hope has a harvest attached to it. See, the enemy wants to attack the things that we have a responsibility for. The enemy's going to come to you and through the things that you go through and the things that you experience, particularly the things that you never expected to happen, and he's going to attack your hope because when you begin to understand hope, you begin to understand that our future is directed by our current perspective. See, today, if you came into this building, you might do church regularly, but you came into this building And right now, you are bombarded by things that you never expected would ever happen. Or maybe you're in a very dark season, and the enemy knows that if he can stop the power of hope being alive in your life, then tomorrow there will be very little harvest. And I believe that the church needs to stir up a spirit of hope that we should begin to expect like we've never expected before. You know, a farmer doesn't put a seed in the ground and not expect a harvest. And yet we can come to church week in, week out, receive the seed of God's word and go, you know what? Well, I just kind of hope it will change, but that's not real hope. It's kind of like just a wishful thinking where it's like, well, you know, maybe things will be different. Whereas the word of God is no, 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 no. You were born... You were designed by God with a spirit of hope. When you were a kid, it was your expectation that caused you to do what you had never done before. You keep being this quiet. I'm going to preach for about five hours and get real boring. I know you're listening, but listen to me today. When you were a kid, you were 99% expectation. You crawled for the first time when you had never done that before. You stood when everything about you told you you couldn't. Because you had tried it so many times and fell, fell, fallen. (laughs) Come on. People laughed at you, but you pushed through because you knew that there was more in who you were and what you were doing. You know, we, we go to the Bible and sometimes we even don't understand truly, I think, what God is wanting to say. I want to bring out a scripture today. 1 Corinthians 13, we often read the scripture in a wedding, but it's more than a wedding scripture. Verse 11, Paul writes to the church and he says these words. You know what? When I was a child, 
I spoke like a child. Actually, when I was a child, I understood like a child. I, I even thought like a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we teach this from this respect. We teach it like, you know what? When you're a kid, some of us are still childish in so many things and we need to grow up and put away some of those childlike attitudes. That's true. But the context of this verse is not what he is saying. Because the next verse he goes on and he says, now I want you to realize you've grown up and you've put away childish things. But now as an adult, we see in a mirror dimly. But then when we stand in eternity, we will see face to face. Right now, we only know in part, but then we shall know everything just like God knows us. Wow, this could be the most freeing message you've heard for a long time. Because some of you are trapped in the not knowing why. Trapped in the darkness of your current situation. And yet Paul says, you're going to get something. When you were a kid, something went wrong. You didn't care. Come on, your friend really made a fool of you one day, but your best mate's the next day. You didn't hang on to the things you didn't understand because everything was a discovery. You understood as a child. You thought as a child. Come on. I love watching children with their wide-eyed expectation, even walking through the kids' ministry this morning. Here they are, ready for another day. They're not hanging on to the depressed moments of last week. Come on. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like God saying, you're going to get something. When you grew up, something went wrong because now you think you need to work it all out. But no, you only will see through a mirror dimly. You will not know everything, be able to put the whole equation together until that one day when we leave this life, we stand before God and God will open our eyes and we'll say, you know what? That's why that happened and that's why that took place and that's why that thing affected me. And then this incredible verse. And now, abide, remain, these three. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. You know, I think we have a lot of teaching in the church on faith. Because we love vision. We love the fact of the supernatural. We have an increasing amount of understanding about love. Do you know that God loves you so much, whether you love Him, believe in Him or not? He loves you so much that His love has no conditions attached to it. Agape love, it's not like, well, if you respond, I'll really love you. No, I love you fully, whether you respond, whether you're in sin or out of sin, I love you so much. The foundation of who God is in my life must be based on that agape love. He loves me. Then God wants to take me and wants to teach me that if I were to pick up the word and I were to read the word, listen to this, I would release faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when I begin to hear the Word of God, the supernatural power of God becomes an everyday reality in my life. But the foundation of my walk is love and the extension of my future is faith. But I never understood, because I never really heard this preach, that there's not just faith and love that remain. It's faith, come on, hope and love. And the greatest is love. The greatest is the foundation 
but actually I've got to stir up a spirit of hope that links the foundation of love to the supernatural power. Okay, some of you need to get this. Because you can be walking with God your whole life, but actually see little of the supernatural. And yet you preach it, you hear about it, you read books on it, you hit, listen to tapes or podcasts on it, and you go, yeah, I want to be a person of faith. And God says, well, you've got to first realize your foundation of relationship with me is love. And as you read the word, you are going to be stirred up because faith comes from me via my word. Two things I give you. I give you love and I give you faith. But your responsibility is to link the two with a spirit of hope. It's an umbilical cord. It's a, it's a lifeline. If you're going to bring what God wants to bring to birth in your marriage and in your family and in your business and in your kids and in your future, you've got to have that umbilical cord not squashed by the power of the enemy because of what you don't understand. You've got to stir up hope. There's an incredible quote, and I love this. It was written by Charles Spurgeon, and he said this. He says, you know that faith walks up the stairs that love built to the window that hope opens. Now, let me just draw this out for you. Because when I read that, I thought, I get it in the context of what God was showing me here in 1 Corinthians 13. We go to church and we go, oh, that's right. God loves me. Thank God for that. Come on. Faith opens the supernatural. So we walk with faith and love. And then we come to Monday, and we forget about all of the pizzazz of church. Come on, good coffee and lights and great worship, and we go, oh my gosh, why did that happen? Why do I feel like that? And we go up the stairs, and then we come down the stairs. And then we go up the stairs, and then we come down the stairs. And we go, why is my life never changing? Because you need faith, hope, and love. Come on, faith walks up the stairs that love built. That's the foundation. To the window that I must open with a renewed expectation and walk into the promises that God has. You see, there's too many Christians that come to church on a regular basis and they don't understand that hope is literally established trust. It's like, I'm going to trust God because God is in control whether I see it or I don't see it, whether I feel it or I don't feel it. Hope is not just wishful thinking. Hope is something that connects the foundation of love to the possibility of faith. And I'm going to be somebody that lives with wide-eyed expectation. In fact, without hope, listen to this, we foster a survival spirit. See, you might be in church and you say, I've been a Christian my whole life. I don't care how long you've been in church. Pews have been longer than you. Doesn't make them godly. Well, Buzz, I've been in church a long time. Longer than you, Sonny. Doesn't care. It doesn't care how long you've been here. Come on. Do you have a spirit like a child of wide-eyed expectation? A hope that goes, you know what? Whatever, whatever the enemy meant for evil. Whatever the enemy tried 
to do when I was abused and when I was raped and when I went through this and the disappointment of death. Whatever the enemy used, I'm not going to lose my expectation. You cannot become a diamond until you link the foundation that God loves you no matter who you are to the possibility of faith will open your mouth to speak like you've never spoken before. But you have to stir up hope. See, hope's my responsibility. Oh, Pastor, could, could you pray that I'd have more hope? No. You've got to stir that up. I can't do that for you. God can't even do that for you. There's three parts in the equation. And if the enemy takes your expectation, if he allows you to become past-focused, disappointment-focused, question-focused, what, what, why did that happen? Why, why? I can't tell you why the child died early. I can't tell you why the person we were praying for to be healed from cancer died. In fact, the Bible tells me I see through a mirror dimly. But the Bible also tells me when I see God, everything will come into full picture. So therefore, I have to back off being an adult in my thinking. And I've got to go back to being a child and say, well, I'm not in charge. God's in charge. And there is an enemy at work. Come on, what percentage? I wonder if those in church this morning are in survival mode. And we've got all the reasons why we're like we are. And God's saying, but your marriage could be so much better. Why have a survival marriage? Why have a survival family? Why have a survival business? Why have a survival future? Come on. You know, praying for Victory Church, I have a, have a, a real clear sense in my spirit that God's called this church to be an advancing church. You're not just going to tread water or do what other people. There's, there's a spirit advancing. There's a spirit of changing. Come on, it's like your pastor's going, whatever we need to do, we'll do that. And people say, well, church isn't like it used to be. Thank God for that. Well, I don't like that. You know, people say, we don't like coming to church. We're not singing the hymns like we used to sing them. And I go, well, you can sing them all week. We want to reach a world in a contemporary and real way. And that's, yeah, it's understanding all the people. But it's not just a changing church. It's an overcoming church. Those three things, you know, just come into my spirit that, that it's an advancing, it's a changing, it's an overcoming church and that's that's the heartbeat of who we are but you know can I just encourage you today that can be happening all around you but you've got to stir up hope the psalmist said in Psalm 27 and verse 13 I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living it's not like my parents or my partner would believe or my pastor would have believed no I would have lost heart unless I had believed it's like God says you're going to take both hands, put them on expectation. If you're going to walk a new way tomorrow, you're going to literally lift up your spirit of belief and see something happen. It's kind of like, I love people that are infectious. There's a guy in our church called Paul, good name. And he, and, and he does lawn mowing for a business. And he came and he said, Pastor, I want to mow your lawns. I said, listen, we're fine. We can do it. No, no, Pastor, I want to do it. Every time he comes to mow our lawns, you can hear his truck coming up the driveway. He's got a big truck and he's just, he's revving the truck in time with a Christian CD going on. You know, he's mowing his lawns, got the things in his ears and he's just singing away like this. It's rain, hail, snow, no matter what. He's just in there doing the whole thing. And I love it because every time you meet him, how you doing, Paul? How's your week been? Oh, it's the best. I say, I can't always be. Oh, yes, it is, Pastor. It's the best. I'm saved. God's with me. I love it. It's raining out there today. Go home. Do it on a dry day. No, 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 no. I love doing this. I'm into it. He knocks on our door one Friday morning and his hand's all bandaged up. I said, what are you doing, Paul? He said, well, Monday I had an accident. I said, what'd you do? He said, I put my hand in the machine and I took the top of my finger off. 
I said, what? <laughs> yeah, this is a true story, Pastor. <laughs> he said, so I went straight to surgery. They looked and they said, yes, we can kind of repair it, but you keep saying you need to get back to work. We really, if you want it to heal quickly, we're going to take it off at the knuckle. You know what he said? Take it off. I'm going, mate, if that happened to me, I'll be depressed for months. Come on, let's be honest. Doing life like that. That's what they did. They took it off. the night. So this is on the Monday it happened. Surgery, come on, Monday night. Friday, he's there. Knocking the door. I said, go home. He said, no, I'm here to mow your lawns. Serious. You know, some of you have had that happen. And that's all you see. I run from one campus to another campus on Sunday, and he's in the foyer making the coffees at the second campus. I can't stop. He said, Pastor, you want a coffee? I said, you know I can't stop. He said, but I've got to tell you something. I said, what's it, Paul? He said, I had the best week ever. I said, what is it, mate? What is it? He said, I was serving at Sisters Conference. I made 750 coffees this week for the women. I said, are you sure you didn't drink 750 coffees? You were like that once. What happened? Come on, you, you know God loves you and you believe in faith. But you know what? The enemy, he can't take love or faith from you. That's a gift from God. But he's going to attack your hope. He's going to use confusion and the question of why did it have to. Squash that umbilical cord so that you can't give birth to the things that God's calling you to give birth to. And I look at that and I, I read things like Romans 5 and verse 3, where Paul writes and he says, and not only that, but you know what? We glory in tribulations. I, I don't know if we do. I think we weep for weeks and months and sometimes years and a whole lifetime because of what was taken. We glory in tribulations. Why do we glory? Because we know something. And the trouble is we don't know this. We know that tribulation is the key to perseverance. Perseverance breeds character. And we know that character breeds hope. And that's the kind of hope that doesn't disappoint. You know what? The enemy wants you to look for things that are the tough things in your life and use them to squash the lifeline of hope. Rather than turning it around and saying, you know what, I, I can't answer all the questions. I'm not even pretending to. But one day the answer will come. Because God has taught me that that's what will happen. Let me give you just three very quick thoughts today. Here's the first one. Do you know that hope opens the door to faith? The enemy knows that more than you do. So therefore, he doesn't want you to live with hope. He doesn't live you, want you to live with wide-eyed expectation. Because you will begin to enter into a supernatural tomorrow. I don't want to just do church. I want the supernatural power of God begin to flow through my personal life, my marriage, my kids, come on, my future. I want the supernatural wonder of God moving in amazing, non-natural ways that he came to earth to make a highway for. But the Bible says that 
hope is the precursor to faith. Therefore, I've got to take hope and I've got to begin to say, you know what, devil, you're not going to lie anymore to me that I am not worthy of something greater tomorrow. I'm not going to allow your condemnation to come on me like a wet blanket. And I come in going, you know what, man, I I don't know if I'm ever going to change or be good enough for God. No, I'm going to begin to turn it around and say, devil, Jesus went all the way. I don't have to go there myself and I can be free. Come on. You see, you might not believe this, but sin's not your real, uh, real issue. Sin is not your real issue because sin was dealt with 2,000 years ago at Calvary. We sang this, this morning, Calvary covers it all. It's like, He dealt with my sin. Oh, I love that. My issue is repentance. I just got to come back to Calvary and say, God, I'm sorry. Come on. Because hope, that expectations get squashed when we don't live with that. We, we had a volunteers and leaders thank you. We hired the whole of the Auckland Zoo. We do something every year at the end of the year. We had about 1,800 people out. We put a meal on for them and gifts, and they walk around the zoo with their kids and just have a great time. lady grabbed me, and she said, Pastor, I've been meaning to talk to you. This was in... 2012, she said, can you remember 2011 at Life Conference where you asked those that were wanting to have kids that couldn't fall pregnant, stand up, and you prayed? And I said, yeah, yeah, I can now that you mention that. She said, well, I've never told you, but I stood up. She said, we couldn't fall pregnant. She says, within two months, I fell pregnant to twins. She said, not only me, but two others that I knew stood up fell pregnant to twins. In fact, I've heard of six people that fell pregnant within three months of you standing up in a life conference and praying for us. Thought I might write a book called The Double Anointing. (laughs) Here's the precursor. It was 2010 when one of our pastors was about to give birth very expectant. It was the week before she was to be delivered and we had Plunkett nurses come to the home and do the tests. She came into the home and put the stethoscope on the woman's belly only to discover she couldn't hear a heartbeat. Our pastors were whipped into hospital and a long story short, the baby had died and was stillborn. I remember when I heard the news just breaking in my office because it just devastated me. And I just said, God, I don't understand this stuff. We love you, we pray, we cover, and sometimes these things happen. And I got to the point where I couldn't cry anymore. I don't know if you've been there. Some of you have. Where the things that happened to you, come on. When your virginity was taken as a little girl. When you went through a death that just wasn't right. And we say, well, God took them. No, God doesn't do that. We even got a bad theology on death. But I just couldn't cry anymore. I had to come to a point where I say, God, I don't understand. But of course, your word says one day we'll understand, not now. A few months later, we're at life conference and I felt, and you don't do this at a leadership conference. I felt the Holy Spirit just remind me. The enemy struck a blow. But let's not allow that to be the end of the story. And I'm not saying I've got anything special on me, but had I not stood in that conference with hope and expectation, 
just maybe those miracles wouldn't have happened. And could it be that you're in this room and God's saying, you know what, without even knowing it, you've slipped into survival mode. And God is asking you to stir up your expectation and your hope. Devil, I'm going to make you pay for what you struck. And we're going to hold on to the promises that God said and God gave us. Can you say amen? Hope, listen, hope is the forerunner to faith. Second, very quick thing. You know that hope activates a shout of praise. Hope activates a shout of praise. I love this. The Bible says in Romans 5, 2, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. It's kind of like, you know, hope is not a down, demure feeling. It's a shout. People come into church and say, well, why do we have to be so noisy? Because you've got all week to be quiet. Come on, you don't meet somebody who's got hope that's always down in the mountain, heavy. Come on, grace has a lean-into stance. It's kind of like when you've got a spirit of hope, it's like, well, we've been through a few things, but I've got an expectation. I've got an anticipation. I've got a confidence that even though we've gone through this, God said that he would take all these things work together for good. Napoleon Bonaparte said that if you are a leader, then you are a dealer of hope. Come on, what are you a dealer of? Are you a dealer of the past? Are you a regurgitator of what the enemy struck you with? Or are you going to say, devil, you had a go, but you're going to pay for this. I got a lifeline from the foundation of love to the supernatural power of God and faith. Therefore, I'm going to stir up a spirit of hope. At midnight in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, what? They are bound in chains in a place they didn't deserve. With people that deserved to be there, but they didn't go, oh, well, what the heck are you doing, God? Come on, what do they do? At midnight, they begin to say, you know what? I'm going to stir up the conduit. I'm going to blast through everything that's getting stuck in this pipeline. We're going to praise him at midnight. They began to praise him and say, you know what? God, thank you for this prison. Thank you that we're with people that are yet to be saved. Thank you that the jailer and his whole household could get saved as your spirit would move at midnight in a prison with rats running all over us. We're going to praise you. You know what happened? Earthquake happened. By the way, your praise is not just to set you free but everyone that comes into the orbit of who you are. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to praise. Come on. One of the most powerful things is to get somebody praising God for the worst things. You know what? I'm going to thank you, God, I went through that stuff. Yeah, it was ugly. And again, I wouldn't really want to go through it, but actually I'm going to turn around and, and you know what? I wouldn't have learned what I've learned unless I had gone through that. So I'm going to praise you for that, God. I'm going, to, I'm going to praise you that I was able even to go through the trauma of losing a child because now I can understand others that go through it and I can pass to them more effectively. And I'm not going to let the devil squash the lifeline. I'm going to begin to thank you. I will bless the Lord, Psalm 34, at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, some pastors I meet, I want to slap them. And some mature Christians. Because you go up and say, how you doing? They go, not bad. I always say, how bad is not bad? It's not like really bad, but it's bad. But it's not really bad. It's just a normal not bad. Come on. Have you ever met people that, that seem to be very religious? And it's like, yes. God, hey, God bless you. He always does. <laughs> Come 
Come on. Hey. Expectation, what does it look like? It's a new day. And I've been through some stuff. But you know what? That stuff produces perseverance. That perseverance character, that character. I hope that doesn't disappoint. It's okay. That stuff is going to add to me. Would you play, pray for me, pastor, that, I have no more, that I'd have more hope? No, no, no. You're going to have to go through some stuff. Is, it, is, it, is the markets here, what's it called? Jeeps X or something like that? What's it? Jeeps Cross. Jeeps Cross. Jeeps X. Jeeps X. All right. Well, we're driving. Just stay with it. Otherwise, I'm going to preach too long. Uh, we're driving past it this morning with Mick. And, and it's like, you know, people are parked miles away. And I go, what is this? He said, well, you know, if they can get all of the bits and pieces and get their veggies. I said, yeah, but they're, they're miles away. It's cheaper to just buy the normal shop. They all go to the markets. Then we saw this brilliant man. He was, he was, I love him. He was like just a skinny Asian man and had his little trolley there. And, and he was about, I reckon, 10 kilometers from the entrance. And he's walking down going, and I think he's so excited because he's going to get cheap veggies. How you doing today, brother? Well, I'm at church, aren't I? How you doing, sister? Oh, not bad under the circumstances. What the flip are you doing under there? Come on, some of you, seriously. Some, Some Christians, I say, please, don't go out beyond the walls of the church. Because if, if people that haven't met God meet you and they, they think you've got God, they won't want you what you got. I don't want your disease of depression. Darkness, come on. And you say, yeah, that's a bit heavy. No, 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 I'm trying to teach you something in all of this. Hope has praise. Listen to this verse. Psalm 9, verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. What? I'll praise you with my dark heart, my heavy heart. Today I'm going to praise you with my confused heart. I'm going to praise you with my why heart. Why did it have to happen to me? Just maybe. God doesn't make bad things happen, but maybe. He allowed it because he believed that if you process through this, you'd have something more to help a generation that's crying out for the God you already know. Come on. We just, we preach faith all wrong. Hebrews 11. We only talked about the victorious ones. What about all the ones that were killed the first half? And they champions of faith. They set a platform for the things to come. See, praise is more than a feeling. It's a decision. If you live by your feelings, you'll never see the supernatural. Come on. You're getting something? The final thing about hope, and I'm going to ask Fiona and Elise and the team to come, is that hope, and this is the big one, reflects developed character. See, hope is something that we've got to understand is more than, as I said, a feeling. Not only that, verse 3 of Romans 5, we glory, listen, glory in tribulations. Well, that's praise, isn't it? Because we know that when we go through the tough stuff, we get perseverance. Perseverance, if we keep on going, we get 
character. And character begets hope. Do you know what? If you came to me and said, would you pray for character for me? I say, no. Be careful if you ask for character because you know how you get character? Through the dark stuff. And then there's a call to keep pushing through. Come on, let's not be people that give up just because we can't see the end. Let's be people that just keep on going. 23 years in New Zealand, we're keeping on going. We're believing the church will be a cornerstone in society. Come on, it's not just going to be a church service. It's going to be a cornerstone in society. We're not giving up. No, we glory in tribulation because hope reflects developed character. All right, now you say you're mature. I say this. Character has the ability to bring hope to the surface real quick. If you find it hard to trust and to hope, it's actually a reflection that your character is not as strong as you thought it was. So therefore, i got to say, all right, God, you got to help me with this. If I'm going to be a man or woman of character, I'm going to know that the hard stuff, actually God in the mix becomes the good stuff. I'm going to keep on pressing through. Because if you were to lose hope, you're going to foster a survival spirit. And I just pray that we will be part of a generation that don't withdraw. I said to a couple not that long ago, I haven't seen you in church for a while. Oh, no, it's serious. They weren't, I, I met them, I think it was in the supermarket. They said, yeah, we're just going through a hard time. Hard time in the business. We just, it's too much. I said, what a stupid thing to do. Why would you back off? Come on, you've got to push forward. You've got to praise. We're, we're so enamored with gift today, but so little emphasis on character. Come on, some of you need to stand today and go, you know what? I'm going to begin to realize again that hope, if I don't have it, there will be no supernatural. Because hope is the precursor to faith. Not only that, hope has a spirit of praise. Some of you are going to have to, Marie's had to do this has to look at the people that took things from her and has to thank God for that. Come on. Are you hearing my heart? I've got to look at that and go, that's okay. I can still mow lawns. I can still push on. You can look at the one or the half you've lost rather than the other nine and a half you've still got. Come on. Some of you need to lift your hearts today. I'm here not just preaching a message. I want to get inside of you. And if you want character, character is displayed in the spirit of hope. Some of you got to go home and in your marriage and say, honey, we've got a great future. We're going to turn this thing around. Come on, we're going to see this change. I'll never forget an Asian gathering that we had. I love what the Asians do when they toast. don't know if you've ever heard this. But they lift their glasses and they shout, yum, sing. And I was at this gathering, you know, they're usually conservative, but they were, at that time, celebrating 10 years of Asian ministries of life. And some young guy would get up and say, you know, this happened. Come on, let's stand. And they all went, yum, sing. I'm going, flab, what's happened to you guys? Is that a new word in the Holy Spirit or what is it? You know, it's like, yum, sing. By the end of the night, they're screaming, yum, sing. I said, what is that? This elderly Chinese person came up and said, hey, pastor, it actually comes, we use it at weddings, but it comes from the ancient warriors. Before they would go to war, they would stand and lift their glasses and go, yum, sing, but like the Kiwi haka. I said, what does it mean? It means victory. 
is ours. There's not a person in this place, no matter what you've gone through. If you generate hope, they can't see the supernatural power of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 